Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Tonight, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Acts. We've been looking through a collection of Acts, and we've been actually working our way slower than I had imagined. I had it in my mind we're going to fast forward and work through the book of Acts quicker, but uh, I keep going to the next chapter, and I'm like, hmm. I need to rest here a minute. You know what I'm saying? Were the people that wanted to go through the entire uh, book of Acts in like four years still in the house? Y'all want to do that? <laughs> no. We ain't doing that. No. No. We're going we're gonna to actually be wrapping this up in a couple weeks. But we're going to be looking at chapter five tonight. And we're actually going to be examining a big chunk of chapter five. But we're going to move through it quickly. Have you ever heard the quote, healthy things grow? healthy things grow. Do you believe that? Uh, I believe it. Uh, Well, why do we believe it? Why do we believe the quote that healthy things grow? I think it's because we believe in the process towards healthy growth. Uh, Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Let's think about a gardener, for example. When a gardener is thinking about his garden, is his sole focus the growth of the plants? Only. Is that his focus? The growth of the plants? No. Why? Because that's not going to get him healthy plants. There's so much involved in gardening. Now, I'm not a gardener. I've attempted it. The, the extent of my gardening whenever I was a kid was my parents telling me to till the garden um, and, and pull the weeds. But other than that, I really don't know what I'm doing with gardening. But I do know there's a process. I do know that you do have to till the ground. I do know that you have to nurture the soil. I know that it, it matters when you plant certain things by other, other plants. I can tell you what, but I know it matters. I know it matters when you water. You don't want to water in the heat of the day, or what happens? Ooh, maybe. I don't know. I was thinking y'all would tell me. Like I told you, I'm not a gardener. I don't know what happens. <laughs> but then there's, you got to make sure it has a certain amount of sun and a certain amount of shade. But there is this extensive process. People go to school and get degrees on gardening because it's a process. And you have to nurture that process. You have to trust that process. But guess what? Do you have 100% say in the results of that process? No, you don't. But you commit to the process and you trust that the results are going to work out the way that you have hoped. I I think that's true in all walks of life. I think that's true in, in people as well. Think about it if you're a, a professional athlete and you want to get big and strong. Think if you're an endurance athlete and you want to run longer endurances. Do you focus on the big muscles and the long endurance? Maybe, maybe it's a part of the process, but isn't also rest a part of the process? A disciplined mindset, a healthy diet, putting quality coaches around you? Uh, I think we, we oftentimes when we want to think about you know, healthy things grow, great. We, we want to look at the outcome of that, but oftentimes we neglect the process of that and, and the steps that it, that it takes to get healthy. Uh, I think the same is true in our lives. I think when we commit to a healthy process or a simple process, then I believe that God gives us supernatural results especially when we follow his word and what he's called and commanded us to do. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 5, and I believe that God gives us very simple 
steps to see something supernatural in our lives. I'm going to read a couple verses, but we're going to spend a little bit of time unpacking actually almost the whole chapter. But read these couple verses with me. Acts 5, 41 through 42. It says, Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Would you pray with me before we dive into this text? Father, we thank you for this uh, book of Acts. We thank you that you've given it to us so that we can see the birth of the early church, the power of your Holy Spirit, miraculous signs and wonders. Give us a guide of, of how to grow a healthy church and how to grow healthy lives. Father, we pray that as we look into this text and, and examine the text, Father, that we would not just be people that hear the preaching and that hear your word, but that we would be a people that actually walk out and we apply it in our lives. Father, we ask that your spirit moved in this place. We ask that your spirit be the teacher today. Father, we know that where your spirit is present, life change happens. And we believe that you're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title for today's message is Simple Process, Supernatural Progress. Simple Process, Supernatural Progress. And I want to I show how God outlines for us this very simple process. The first thing that I want to look at, the first step that I want to look at today is power. And this is going to be found in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. The scripture speaks, this is the apostles, Peter and John, they were preaching. And the scripture says that as they're going out preaching and building God's house, they were performing, the scripture says, many signs and wonders, miraculous healings. They were walking around healing the sick, and they were walking around cleansing people of of evil spirits in the name of Jesus. And in chapter five, this is, this is mind-blowing to me. It actually says that there were so many signs and wonders and the, the Holy Spirit was so filling these apostles that people from all over were bringing their sick and laying them in the streets just in case Peter's shadow walked by that they might be healed. And the scripture says, and everyone was healed. Isn't that crazy? The, the power of the Holy Spirit through his people, so much so that it came out of his body into a shadow that when people were touched by a shadow, they were healed and changed forever. You ever heard that story before? That's pretty miraculous stuff. Many signs and wonders. This isn't the only instance that we see this in Scripture. If you look at Jesus' life as well, then you'll be reminded that several times in the scriptures, there were people that tried to get to Jesus. And the, uh, the, the one woman who was uh, bleeding for 12 years had a long sickness. And if I could just get to Jesus, and she fought to get to Jesus, she touches the hem of his garment, hem of his robe, and guess what happens? She was healed instantly. I said, your faith has made you well. It's not only in Jesus' life as well, but we see this also in Paul. If you look later on in Acts, in Acts chapter 19, Scripture says that there, these hand cloths and these face cloths and aprons that touched the skin of Paul, people were trying to get to him because they know if I could just have that face cloth that had touched Paul, I, I could heal my friends and, and heal the sick. And the Scripture says, and everyone was healed. Here at Pinewood Church, when we read things like 
Wow. And there were signs and wonders and the spirit was moving. We don't believe that that was a that moment, that time thing. We believe that that's the power of the Holy Spirit through his church and that the miracles that were performed then are the same miracles that can be performed today. That there's no sickness that Jesus cannot heal, that God cannot heal through his people. Hey, I believe that if the Holy Spirit wanted to, he could use my shadow. He could use my shirt. He could use a handshake. I believe that the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants through his people. I don't think it's a question of whether or not the Holy Spirit can do it. It's whether or not we are submitting to the process that he's called us to, to be filled and to be obedient. Miraculous signs had three main purposes all throughout Scripture. All these signs and wonders and miracles, they had three main purposes. The first was to show compassion and meet a need. We saw that Jesus did this. As he went about performing miracles, he met needs, feeding the 5,000, healing the sick, raising the dead to life. It was compassion, and it was meeting a need. The second thing it was that it was sealing, it was convincing that Jesus was the Son of God. The third thing is it was conveying spiritual truth. You notice one of the things that it isn't doing? Promoting people. Uh, promoting a church. It's not promoting an organization. Uh, miracles really aren't about us. Uh, and oftentimes, they're not even about the person being healed. Uh, it's all about Jesus, bringing glory to Jesus, being, bringing fame to Jesus, bringing honor to Jesus. And, and, and it's not only just to bring honor and fame to him because there's been something miraculous that has happened, but it's used as a platform to proclaim about who Jesus is. Oh, you were healed physically? That's nothing. Guess what Jesus wants to do in your life? He wants to heal you spiritually. He wants to do something so much more than give you sight. That's great. But that in comparison to transforming your life? Oh, miracles are not about the messenger. It's about the message, which is Jesus Christ. So miracles are also supernatural. Uh, when you think of a miracle, a miracle is not something that we can do in our natural realm. That's called you know, medicine, or, or that's called, you know, self-help, or coaching, and I mean, that's, that's what we can do. Miracles are the Holy Spirit. So not only are they not for our glory, but yeah, we can't even take credit for any of the work that's being done. Uh, miracles are, are supernatural, and so when you start engaging in, in miracles, you're, you're engaging in supernatural. Now, when you're engaging in supernatural, I want to encourage you with something today. When you're engaging with supernatural, you're engaging in war. Uh, you're like, that is not encouraging. I like peace. You know, I do too. But when you start engaging in the supernatural, guess what? There's a force coming against us. How do I know this? Well, in Ephesians 6, it says that we wrestle not, we struggle not with flesh and blood, but of, with prince of palities of the air, with evil and dark forces. So, so when we engage in supernatural, we're engaging in all of the supernatural. And I think for, for many of us, I think there's a fear there to tap into the supernatural because you don't know what to do with both sides. 
So, well, if I, when you start tapping into supernatural, you think, well, it gets a little weird. I don't know how to handle that. I, I'm, I'm fearful of the other side, if I'm being honest. And I want to encourage you with something today because the Bible speaks to this as well. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater, than he, greater is he that is in you than what? He that is in the world. So if we're engaging in signs and wonders and miracles and we're engaging with healing and, and we're proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ, guess what? As we're moving into the supernatural, we already have victory because God doesn't know defeat. You're like, but I'm, I'm scared to pray for healing over this person. Why? Do you think that you can actually heal them or is it God who chooses to heal them? Uh, if, we're, if we're trusting in God and trusting that his plan is the best plan, then we're submitting to the process to live in his power that he's called us to, to say, no, like I'm still gonna have faith. I still believe that you're moving today and I'm gonna submit to your process and I'm gonna pray for this person and believe that a healing is possible. Uh, but I think that we, we, we live in fear. I think we forget that our God is 100% in control. That God wants to heal people. And so we almost give God an out every chance we pray about healing for somebody and say, like, like God, you don't have to. Like, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm just, and you're almost half-hearted, half-heart believing. No, no, no. I want, I want, I believe in a church that has 100% faith. That when somebody comes forward and says, man, I'm struggling with this, I 100% believe God is going to comfort you. When somebody comes in looking for a job, 100%, I believe God's going to take care of your needs. Why? Because you serve a good father. If he clothes the fields, if he feeds the animals, don't you think he's going to take care? I believe in a good father who's going to meet your needs. Do you believe that today? You believe in a father that loves you and wants to answer your prayers if you lean into faith? Greater things. John 14, 12 through 13, it says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoa. You mean the things Jesus did, we get to do? And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And what, oh, check this out. Lean in really hard. You ready? John 14, 12 through 13. Highlight it in your Bible. Uh, go on you version, screenshot it, put it on your background, post about it on Instagram, tell all your friends. John 14, 12 through 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Why do we hesitate so often? Why are we so fearful to live in the power that God has given his church to live in? I think we need to submit to the process, put faith in the power that God gives to his church for his glory. The second thing that we see in the text is verse 17 through 18 is that the apostles started to get persecuted, and there was opposition. And this is what I want to tell you. Whenever you engage in the supernatural, guess what? This is a twofold blessing. You get the supernatural warfare and the physical persecution. You're like, this is not a very encouraging message. You do. This is the facts. If you've ever been involved in the miraculous, ever been a part of a great move of God, you've experienced both in your life. You've engaged in spiritual warfare, and you, you know what that feels like, and you've also felt some physical as well. And we see that as they were performing these miracle signs and wonders, the scripture says that the high priests and those with the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees, well, they begin to get jealous. Because how could these people who are really, these people are nobody, 
Uh, they're not even professionals. We looked at, talked about that last week. They're ordinary people. How could they command such respect? How could they command such authority? How could they perform all these miraculous healings? And they begin to get jealous. And how many of you, when you get jealous, it never really ends well for anybody. And they begin to get jealous and persecute him, and they actually put him in a public jail. Uh, when you submit to the process, and you, you take these steps towards uh, health and steps towards supernatural, you're going to come up against some serious persecution. You know, we'll, we're never going to preach at Pinewood Church that when you step out in faith and you trust God that everything is going to be perfect in your life and you're never going to have any problems and, and you're never going to have opposition because that is about as 100% opposite as what the Scripture teaches. Uh, the Scripture's like, guess what? You're going to trust Jesus, and then you're going to suffer a lot, and it's going to be great, and, and I'm with you, and I'm going to comfort you. But the disciples, amidst all of the persecution, amidst all of the opposition, they were resolute. They were immovable, unshakable. This isn't their first rodeo in prison, and it certainly won't be their last. Uh, for us in the house tonight, as, we, as we're processing through these steps, uh, this is probably where many of us get off of the ship. Uh, step number two, uh, one, I want to live in the power. Holy Spirit, move. And then step number two, persecution. You're like, I'm out. This has been fun. This is not what I was signing up for. Anybody feel me in the house tonight? That, that's, that's a place where you start to see people say, oh, it's getting a little hard. Man, I'm going through this in my life, and I don't understand why I said, man, have you ever thought that maybe, maybe why you're going through this in your life is because you're going so hard after God? Maybe this opposition with the people around you is because you're surrendering to God's call in your life? Anytime I ever see anybody that's telling me, like, man, I'm really leaning into my faith, I'm like, hey, can I pray for you right now? Because I already know what's coming. Anytime somebody says, hey, today I said yes to Jesus, I'm calling my friends, I'm texting other pastors and says, hey, pray for Joe. Joe said yes to Jesus. He needs our prayer right now. And we need people to come around and pray. Because why? The enemy's going to come hard and attack, spiritual and physical, every every. Any way that he thinks he can get at you. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates you. And he wants to take you out by any means necessary. And especially when you start to say, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to follow you anymore, enemy. I'm following after God. He's going to come at you hard. And he's going to try to get at you. But Jesus said, I come that they may have life. Abundant life, zoe life, a fulfilled life. I think it's extra important that we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, or we pray for each other. I, th I find it very interesting. If you examine the book of Acts, if you do just a study and only consider what and who they prayed for, I think you'd be very fascinated. Because I think in our minds, we often think that their number one priority in prayer was the lost 
but it actually was their persecuted brothers and sisters. Why? Because they knew it's going to get rough. But if we can pray and intercede for each other, we're going to make it through. And we're going to come out on the other side. Persecution's a funny thing, especially in um, the church history and the early church, is because every single time that the church got persecuted, guess what happened? It grew. You would think that if you were to persecute people, kill people, beat people, which we'll see that they were beaten, flog people, beat people, you would think that people finally, at some point, would say, this just isn't worth it. Sheesh. I could go live this life and not have to deal with all this. But it was actually the opposite. It was when, when, you, saw, when you see somebody that's persecuted stand up for what they believe, power through in Jesus' name, trust God and submit to the process. People are on the, people, even non-believers that are watching are watching and going, dang, I ain't never been through anything like that and stood as strong as they do. I've never had joy amidst my sufferings like they do. I've never believed and had convictions in anything like they do. And what actually happens is it propels the church forward. Number three. Number three is that the, there was proclamation. He went from power to persecution. Always leads to proclamation. Why? Because our pain is always going to be a platform to preach about Jesus. Always. In every area of our lives. Anytime there's persecution, what do they do? I love in this Bible, I love in the Bible, they, they got put in jail. An angel appeared to them in the jail, snuck them out some miraculous way, because apparently the next day when they came back, the jail was still locked, the guard was still there, and no one knew how they got out. I don't know. I mean, but he opened the doors so they didn't, like, magically transport, or maybe they did. <laughs> we don't know. But we do know that they were in prison, and then they weren't. And the angel of the Lord came to them, and he said, no, I want you to go to the temple and continue teaching. And if this was you, and you just got put in jail for teaching in the temple, what would you do when the angel of the Lord got you out? I'm out. I'm not going for a round two, and I'm not standing around because it's thought that these same people in the Sanhedrin were the ones that put Jesus on the cross. And so if that just happened, and you knew what you were up against, wouldn't you say, I'm not taking my chances. I'm going out where it's safe, where it's comfortable. But not the apostles. The, whole, the angel of the Lord said, I want you to go to the temple. I want you to preach. And they said, you got it. Showed up the next day. And whenever the high priest, whenever the, they all came out, guess who was in the temple at daybreak preaching and teaching the, the gospel message? It was the apostles. Here they are again, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You have God's power working through his apostles. Then you have persecution. And then you have the proclamation. And I want you to see there was a process even in the proclamation here. And it's this. First, they pray for opportunities to be a bold witness. We saw that in the previous chapter. And God gives them this opportunity. Second, we see them listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then we see them looking for more opportunities, as we'll see. They're going to the temple. They're going to house to house. And then we see with the, with the apostles, they obeyed whatever he told them to do. He told them to go into the temple. You got it. Go to house to house, you got it. Think about this process in your life as, as being a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Are you praying for opportunities to be a bold witness for Jesus? 
there was a pastor who once told me, he said, I wake up every morning and I say, God, give me one opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus today. And he said, you know what? Every time I pray that prayer, he answers. I think that's about the easiest prayer you could ever pray and see immediate results. God, help me, get, help give me an opportunity that I could share the gospel with somebody today. Second, you can't just pray the prayer in the morning. You gotta be listening throughout the day. God, who, 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 where, what, when, how? What, you gotta listen. Because when you talk one way, guess what? The Spirit's gonna speak to you the other way. He's gonna tell you, he's gonna lead and guide and direct you. Third, you'll be looking, looking for an opportunity. And fourth, whatever he tells you to do, do it. We're going to move on, but the last thing that I want us to see here is that uh, the apostles used a very attractional model for church. A very attractional model. It's no wonder the scripture says that they were, they were being added to their number daily because they were super attractional. First, we see that they were generous. This early church and the apostles were dipping out and distributing out all of their resources. They were a generous church, selling their positions, distributing to people. They were an authentic church. They, were, they, held, they held integrity at the highest level. If you read the first part of chapter five with Ananias and Sapphira, integrity was, you, you didn't lie. You were real. You were authentic. They had compassion, healing the sick. They were united, same message, same spirit, and they were bold. They were an attractional model church. Uh, what I think find interesting about their attributes were these attributes require zero skill, zero talent, and zero resources. And I want to say that Pinewood is a very attractional church. Well, we believe that the lives that we live here should attract everyone to want to be a part of what God is doing here. That we're a generous church. That we're a united church. That we're a bold church. That we stand firm on truth that we're a compassionate church, that we serve others, not for anything in return, because we love people. Because we genuinely love people. We want to help people. And that we're an authentic church and that we're real. We see that lived down the early apostles. Number four, if you fast forward, what you'll see is the apostles go through a trial. And you'll see that they really came to a, a tough spot because they, at this point, they didn't really want to kill them or bring them harm because they were afraid. The high, the high priests were, and the Sadducees were afraid that they would actually get, you know, killed themselves, that it would start a riot. And they didn't need any more riots in Rome. They were going to try to keep the peace. And so there's a man named Gamaliel who was a, a Pharisee, a high priest, and he pitched this idea. He said, all right, everybody hear me out. If this, you know, teaching that they're doing is not of God, it's going to fail anyways. You know, we've seen this happen before where people rise up and they try to preach and teach this, this false nonsense and it fades away. But if it is of God, let's not be found fighting against God. Let's give it time. Uh, little did he know, he's just, it's giving them time to continue to catalyze movements and grow the church. And what that led to, I love in verse 41, it led to them being released. And when they were released, after they had been flogged, so then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. They rejoiced because they were able to be disrespected and shamed and beaten 
for God's glory. What kind of faith do you have today? What, what level of faith do you have to submit to that level of the process? Yeah, I'm good with the power and persecution. I've been there before. I can hang. And proclaiming, you know, I'm not a bold witness, but I try. But then praising God for the persecution in your life? Praising him in the storms on the mountaintops and in the valleys? I actually feel like uh, this is super personal for me. I feel like uh, there, we've had some challenges uh, in, our, in our life as, as well. Um, you know, one in particular was whenever we were going through the adoption process with our son in uh, foster care. If you've ever been in foster care and adoption, then you understand that uh, it hurts. <laughs> there's, not, there's no, like, easy process. It's just brutal all around. And, uh, and we were experiencing some, some deep pain. And I remember one moment where my wife and I, we, have, uh, we had recently lost uh, a child that um, was in our care for a while, and we knew he wasn't going into a phenomenal uh, situation next, and I remember my wife and I were on the bed in tears and just sobbing, and, and we were in a really vulnerable and really painful place, and I remember thinking of this principle, this step of the process, thinking, okay, I can wallow now and just, just, just weep and grieve, but what if I actually praise God for what he's going to do in that boy's life? What if, I, what if I took my faith from here to here and said, God, I thank you for this. I thank you that I get to know you better. I thank you for the pain. Uh, I thank you that you're drawing me and my wife closer together through this process. Uh, I praise you. Uh, no, I praise you no matter how it turns out, just because you're God. Uh, I praise you for the opportunity you gave for me to steward him during this season that we had him. And when you, when you shift your, your, your pain into praise, it literally shifts the atmosphere around you. Your faith rises up, your expectation rises up, your belief rises up, and you begin to think, you know what? God, you are good. God, you are going to work this thing out. And as the story goes, we ended up getting him back, and now he's our son. So it actually it worked out really well. But I love that they turn their pain into praise. And I just, what do you do with the pain? Do you praise? I hope you do. The last thing is this. They were persevered. And now this is, this is a, a very important step because there's a statement that I want you to commit to memory. I want you to write down, and it's this. This is important uh, in the Christian life. It's important in every life. If you don't quit, you win. This can apply to everything. This can apply to your, your marriage, your belief in your kids, and, or in your future and your calling. If you don't quit, you win. We see the perseverance is the fifth and final step. He said, every day in the temple and in various homes, they continue teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't quit. Against all odds, against the persecution, Against all of the pushback, the beating, the public shaming, the imprisonment, they didn't quit. Uh, like, I don't know. I just wanted to put that in proper perspective for us. Like, how easy do we quit? 
man, so-and-so didn't acknowledge me in church today, so I'm out. So-and-so didn't remember my name. Maybe this whole Christian thing isn't for me. How easy do we walk away? We get our feelings hurt, and we feel neglected, and then we're out. Uh, we see the, uh, the apostles here, they weren't gonna give up. If you don't quit, you win. It will be hard. You will face opposition. Don't quit. Stay in the game. Stay in the mission that God has called you to. It's a very simple process, but will produce a very supernatural progress. I believe as followers of Christ, we're called to supernatural. Just like the disciples. I don't think that anybody in this room that claims Jesus is their Lord and Savior is called to a common, average, and mundane life. I just don't. I never want to see that in your life. I never want to speak that over your life. I do not believe that's what the scripture is teaching us. John 10, 10. We read it earlier. All thief, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I believe in Ephesians 2, 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. I believe in Philippians 1, 6 that says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So talk about the life that God gets to, calls us to that we get to live, a supernatural life. That he's gonna do above and beyond all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Pretty wild. So let's live in the supernatural. He wants to give us an abundant life, not a common mundane life, a miraculous life where we get to see miracles happen in the here and now. And guess what? At the end of it all, he's gonna bring to completion the good that he started in your life. What he began in you is gonna bring it to the good in your life. So you can trust him with the process. Would you go ahead and stand with me? And I wanna invite you today, if you're here, and all this about Jesus is your first time hearing this and you're trying to wrap your mind around what this means for your life, your number one step in the process is to say yes to Jesus. And what that looks like, scripture says, is to put your faith and your trust in him. And to say, I, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. Do you have to have all of the answers tonight? No. I don't have all the answers. But I do know God, God loves me. I do know that God loves you. And scripture says that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son into the world. Fully God and fully man, he lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life that neither you nor I could live. And he died a death that neither you nor I could die so that we could have life through him. He made a way where there was no way. Jesus stood in the gap. Before our sin separated us from God, we could never measure up. But Jesus said, I'm gonna stand in the gap. And he came down and he died. But guess what? He didn't stay dead. Because he's fully God, he rose from the day grave. He defeated the enemy like we knew he would, like he said he would. He defeated the grave so that we may have life in his name. So if you're here today and you're saying, man, I want to have that life. I want to live in this supernatural. Then I want to invite you today to put your faith in him and to say, Jesus, I trust you. Say, I'm going to turn from the enemy and I'm going to walk to you. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. 
And remember, just keep coming back. <laughs>